0: hey guys i'm monica crowley and this is the monica crowley podcast thank you so much for joining me here on this monday as we kick off a brand new week in biden's america pray this is your go-to for hot liberty a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and yes, happy warriors. Please follow me on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. By email, I am at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. I read them all. I see them all, but I can't read yours unless you send me one. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. All right. Um, I'd love to be able to give a little tease about what is coming up later in the week on the show. I, I've got some big shows planned, but I'm still in the process of confirming some big guests. So bear with me here. We will go with the flow this week, but rest assured, no matter what we do and no matter whom joins us. We're going to have really, really big shows as usual. So tell all of your friends about the Monica Crowley podcast. Make sure everybody is right here Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, listening to the show. This is where the truth comes. This is where the truth is reported. This is where the truth lives right here on this show. i mince no words. I tell you exactly how it is and how to move forward. That's why you come to this show. We do not sugarcoat anything. We tell you exactly where we are and exactly where we're going and the exact nature of the enemy that we face. So please tell everybody uh, to get on board here with the Monica Crowley podcast. You know, you don't want to be missing out. No FOMO. No fear of missing out. Right? You got to be here on this show. All right. Today, I want to cover the Twitter files from a slightly different angle. Also today, we're going to be joined by the OG on the Hunter Biden laptop story, Emma Jo Morris, now the politics editor at Breitbart. She was at the New York Post in October of 2020, and she was the very first reporter to report the existence and the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. She, of course, got shut down by Twitter for reporting the facts, as did the New York Post, One of the biggest media scandals in American history. Actually, this is one of the biggest political scandals in American history. And Emma Jo was right at the center of it all from day one. She is going to be here. Plus, your emails all straight ahead. First up, the Monica memo. Before we get into the Twitter story, and it's an Elon Musk story, but it's actually much bigger than that. Because this is now an intelligence and law enforcement story, as it was from the very beginning, although we didn't really have all the facts and details to flesh that out. But before we get into that, just a note here about Georgia, the Georgia Senate runoff race is tomorrow, Tuesday, December 6th. Herschel Walker versus Raphael Warnock. A lot of these polls, and I don't know how accurate they are coming out of Georgia, but a lot of these polls show Herschel Walker falling behind, Raphael Warnock. He's the incumbent, so obviously he's got the advantage. But Georgia is still a red state, guys. This is why this is, why this is all incredibly frustrating. Georgia is still a heavily conservative state. There is no excuse for Georgia to have not one, but two Democrat senators, okay? They just reelected their Republican governor, Brian Kemp, by a huge margin. Georgia is conservative. It is red. So what is going on? Well, in these Senate races, the federal races versus the state races, like for governor, The Democrats, the national Democrats have gone into Georgia and crisscrossed it and done exactly what we have been talking about since 2020 with the early voting, the mass mail-in voting, the ballot harvesting, the ballot curing. They have been doing that now for a month. And where has our side been? I don't know. I don't know. Where have they been in Georgia? Have they been doing any of this? So now, not only do we have two major election cycles where we have been behind the eight ball, 2020 and 2024, but now we're going to have this runoff race. So now you can add a third race to the failures of the RNC and the Georgia Republican Party who have not gotten control over where we are on this stuff. We need to be mastering this stuff. Otherwise, we have no chance. I spoke to dozens of members of Congress recently, last week in Washington, about this. I mean, you could sort of understand 2020 with the chaos of the pandemic and the shutdowns and the lockdowns and BLM and Antifa burning down the country and George Floyd and all of it, you could sort of understand that we weren't on top of it at that moment but this is now two and a half years almost past that moment in time. We should have learned. We should have fixed. We should have remedied all of this, and we haven't. So there is going to be an election in early January for the head of the RNC. Ronna McDaniel has been in there for two terms, and she has just lost particularly recently, she and the RNC have just lost in every direction. So I am endorsing my dear friend who has been a regular on this show, Lee Zeldin, congressman from New York, who just lost the New York gubernatorial race by just five points. When most Republicans lose by 20 or 30 in the state of New York, he only lost by five. He ran a fantastic campaign and he gets it. By the way, his coattails delivered the House of Representatives to the GOP. The GOP would not have majority control in four weeks if it weren't for Lee Zeldin in New York. We owe the GOP-controlled House to Lee. New York, deep blue state flipped four congressional seats, two on Long Island and two in the New York suburbs, okay? That was all Lee. We also flipped a number of seats in California. In fact, just one over the weekend that hadn't yet been called. It was called for the Republican. So you've got people doing the hard work in deep blue states to try to maneuver those states over time into the Republican column. Rome was not built in a day, so none of this happens overnight. But Lee Zeldin in the state of New York did the heavy lifting, ran a fantastic campaign, flipped those congressional seats, came within five of this psycho who is sitting in Albany right now, Kathy Hochul. So he is a tremendous hero. And you know what? Lee is also military, and he gets it. He gets it. He gets what hour it is in this country. That's what we need in leadership. We're already stuck with McConnell And McCarthy, I don't know what's going to happen there, but Ronna McDaniel, to the extent that we can control that, that is the change that we need. The corruption runs so deep. We're going to talk about this Twitter thing here in a second. The corruption in this country runs so deep, and we're going to talk about the DOJ and the FBI because, look. I've said this repeatedly, I will keep saying it until I'm blue in the face or I drop dead. And that is that the greatest threat that we face in this country today is not China, it's not Iran with a nuclear weapon, it's not Russia. All of those things are very serious and immediate and urgent. But the most immediate and urgent threat that we face right now is from within. It is the weaponization of our own government against us. And now what we know, thanks to the Twitter files, is that all of this is working in conjunction. Big government, which is weaponized against us. Big tech, which is weaponized against us. And then all all of the rest of it. Big pharma weaponized against us. You name it, in every direction. Big education, all of it in this country is shot through with corruption And communists who want to tear down this country. So when we look at the Georgia runoff tomorrow, and please, if you're in Georgia, vote for Herschel. If you don't live in Georgia, go to teamherschel.com, support him however you can. I know the race is tomorrow. Please pray for Herschel Walker. It's not looking very good. It looks like he's fading in these final days. But nothing is impossible if you have God on your side. So I would ask that you please pray for him. Beyond tomorrow's Georgia runoff, which, you know, if Herschel loses, it's going to be a 51 49 Senate, which is going to really put us on the back heels. We won't have the power sharing arrangement that we currently have now in the Senate. We will distinctly be in the minority, which is what Mitch McConnell wants. All right, let's be really clear about this. McConnell has helped Herschel, not at all, along with Blake Masters in Arizona and so many others that got Zippo support or very little support from Mitch McConnell and the Senate fund, zero or very little. Why? Because Mitch McConnell, who's also totally compromised with the CCP, he and his wife, right? I mean, we're out here pounding on the president, on Joe Biden, for being compromised with the CCP, for taking tens of millions of dollars, when our Senate leader is just as compromised, if not more. So where where's our moral high ground here? Where is it? We don't have it because our leaders suck and they're as corrupt in many cases as the left is. So he didn't help uh, Herschel, and the reason is because... He would rather be in a minority that he can control than a majority full of America first years like Herschel Walker that he can't control. That's it. You think they give a flying crap about this country? Absolutely not. They are in it for themselves, their own empowerment amassing as much power for themselves as possible. So, you know, Mitch McConnell can go running around Washington as like the big Republican kahuna on the hill. Anybody takes his call. So it's all about amassing power and riches, enriching themselves. The country is hanging by a thread, and the people in the Republican leadership could give a crap. That's just the reality. And the RNC... With hundreds of millions of dollars just floating around like a giant slush fund, Ronna McDaniel has spent her two terms as head of the RNC just doling out favors, doling out money, and collecting chips. So someone like Ali Zeldon Zeldin or Harmeet Dillon, who also she threw her hat formally into the ring over the weekend, love Harmeet, she is phenomenal. Harmeet, and then there might be others who jump in this race, Lee said he's looking seriously at it. He, he told me that over the weekend. He put it up on Twitter publicly, all right? But anybody who wants to challenge Rana is facing an uphill battle because all of these people, the 168 in the RNC, they have been getting so much money and goodies from her over the years that, of course, they want to pay her back. So the corruption, guys, is in every direction, and it's disgusting, it's gross, and is driving this country off the cliff. Mitch McConnell, Ronald McDaniel, all, all of them, uh, they're all like, well, we're, we like being the controlled opposition. Well, yeah, you're the controlled opposition because you are controlled. And frankly, they want to be controlled. You think they want to fight the fights that we're fighting on this podcast every day? The fights against the communists trying to destroy the country? The fights against the propaganda press, the fights against big pharma, the fights against the transnational organizations like the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization, all of the fights, the big fights that we are doing on this show every day. You think that Mitch McConnell and Ron McDaniel want to fight those fights? Of course not. They're lazy. They're now very rich. They don't want to upset the apple cart. They don't want to upset the entire corrupt status quo because they are benefiting from it, big time. The only one so far at that level who has come in and upset it is Donald Trump, and that's why he is an existential threat to all of them, and that's why they continue to need to destroy him. They cannot believe he is still standing. They can't believe it. But he is. And that in and of itself is a miracle. Is Trump perfect? Of course not. Is Elon Musk perfect? Of course not. But God uses imperfect people to carry out his work on this planet. And all you have to do is you look at the Old Testament, Abraham, Moses, Noah. I mean, they were drunks. They had all kinds of problems. New Testament, Jesus is hanging out with the prostitutes and the rest of it the tax collectors, and uh, you name it, the dregs of humanity, all right? God uses imperfect people. The only perfect person was Jesus Christ. That's it. So God uses imperfect people to get his work across. And there is a reason he is protecting Trump. There is a reason he is protecting Ron DeSantis. There's a reason he's protecting Elon Musk. But they need our prayers, So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this Twitter story because you want to talk corruption. This is the depth of corruption that the leaders on our side are protecting. They're not fighting these battles. We are, but they're not. We're going to unravel everything that we know so far, thanks to to Elon Musk. But as we pray for Herschel Walker for tomorrow's runoff, We also need to be praying for Elon Musk and his protection. We're going to deal with that on the other side. Sit tight. Okay, everybody, listen up. We all want to be healthier, right? Well, to get there, we have to have a healthier diet, which is not always easy to do. I can attest to that. You know, that shredded lettuce in a double-double, and take Field of Greens. Let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code MONICA. That's promo code MONICA at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. Okay, welcome back. As I mentioned, the Georgia runoff between Herschel Walker and Raphael Warnock is tomorrow in the state of Georgia. Go out and vote if you live there. Uh, do whatever you can to help with the ballot harvesting, ballot curing, legal challenges, et cetera, in the state of Georgia. But we will be watching that race closely tomorrow night, and on Wednesday we'll talk about, and we'll, we'll take it apart. I want to switch gears now and talk about Uh, Elon Musk and the Twitter files. Elon Musk is single-handedly taking on the entire regime. Everything that we just spoke about in the first segment of this show, from the corruption here at home, but also the transnational corruption, and all of this dark, very dark agenda. Musk is single-handedly taking it all on. The entire globalist regime by himself. We must stand with him, and we must pray for his protection. I'm not kidding. We talk on this show all the time about the spiritual war. There is something much bigger going on here. We are all pawns in it. We're active players, obviously. We have free will. But there is something much bigger. God versus the enemy, good versus evil, however you want to put it. But There are a lot of demons right now making themselves known. Most of the time, demons, the big enemy, they are, the big enemy is a great deceiver, right? And comes in smooth packages, cloaks himself, cloaks the evil. Well, now the evil is right in our face. The corruption, the child sexual exploitation, all in fashion and movies and music and all, it's right in our face, so you've got a lot of demons making themselves known right now. Evil just doesn't cave, guys. It just doesn't give up. It, evil does not just accept defeat. It doubles down. Evil redoubles its efforts. So this is what I mean when I say, please pray for Elon Musk's protection. Dark forces are plotting ways to destroy him because he's over the target. The Hunter Biden laptop story, and we're going to talk to the original reporter of the New York Post here uh, coming up in the next segment about how it all unfolded and whether or not she feels vindicated. But that Hunter Biden laptop story was an intelligence operation. So, yes, there are other aspects to the story, political, obviously media and press, obviously But primarily, this laptop story was an intelligence operation involving the corrupt FBI and corrupt intelligence agencies. Remember the letter from 51 so-called Intel officials saying that that laptop was Russian disinformation? Do you remember that? They, They put it out, and it was signed by... Leon Panetta, former CIA director and defense secretary, John Brennan, former CIA director, Michael Hayden, former CIA director, James Clapper, former director of national intelligence, they all put out a letter said that the Hunter Biden laptop and the New York Post reporting at the time had all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. Well, since Elon Musk started to blow the whistle on all of this on Friday night, those folks are eerily quiet, totally silent, not saying a word. Why? Because they know they were lying. They knew at the time they were lying. This was all their operation. Being quiet now, this is not a coincidence. Look, guys, they were all working together with the FBI to develop and disseminate the lie that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. And they did it as a way to suppress the truth, which was that Hunter Biden was a crackhead. And of course the laptop was real. And the Bidens, what that laptop showed was actual concrete proof that the Bidens were deeply corrupt and therefore deeply compromised. So instead of allowing the reporting of the truth to go out there and be very clear and disseminated around the world, the FBI and the intelligence services in this country got involved to quash the story. Think about that for a second. Again, when we use the bigger framing of how the weaponization of our own government is the most serious threat that we face— Think about the depth of the darkness, corruption, and yes, evil at the root of what they did here. They needed to stop Donald Trump. They threw the kitchen sink at the man for the previous six years. Nothing stuck. Not the Russia hoax, not two fake impeachments, not January 6th. None of that stuck. The man was still standing going into the 2020 election. And so they had to figure out, oh, BLM, Antifa burning down the country leading into the election, lockdowns, the virus, all of it. They threw all of it at him. And nothing stopped him. And it looked like it was clear he was likely to win re-election. And then the Hunter Biden laptop situation started bubbling back to the surface And they pulled out one final stop here before the election, which was to kill that story. They all worked together to do it. This excellent reporting from our friend Miranda Devine of the New York Post, who's done superb work on all of this from the beginning, including her book, Laptop from Hell. She's been on the show. We will have her back. But here's what she just reported today. The FBI warned Twitter during weekly meetings with Twitter before the 2020 election to expect hack and leak operations by state actors involving Hunter Biden, and that those hack and leak operations were likely to happen in the month of October. This is according to a sworn declaration by Twitter's former head of site integrity, Yul Roth, who Musk fired a couple of weeks ago. The warnings were so specific that Twitter immediately censored the New York Post scoop about Hunter Biden's laptop on October 14th, 2020, citing its hacked materials policy, a move described over the weekend as election interference by Elon Musk. The extraordinary revelation for the first time lays bare how the FBI was involved in pre-bunking the story of the laptop, which had been in the FBI's possession for almost a year. Okay, guys, so let's take a step back. So the FBI and the intelligence agencies in this country, they knew what was on this laptop, meaning all of the incriminating information about all of the overseas dealings and the huge international grifting operation by the Biden crime family. They knew the corruption. It was right there on the laptop. So they knew Hunter was a crackhead and all of the stuff was on the laptop was real and true. And then they began to pre-bunk the story by planting the seeds of the lie about Russian disinformation. And they did it in weekly meetings for a long time. So when it was time to pull the trigger with the big lie that this was all Russian disinformation, the ground was fertile at Twitter And Facebook and everywhere else in big tech for them to accept the lie because they've been briefed on this now weekly meetings for months on end. The ground was fertile for them to accept that lie at face value and then act to kill the story. This was an intelligence operation by the FBI and the intel services. It was all a setup. The FBI, CIA, NSA, whatever, their charter is to protect the American people from threats foreign and domestic. That's it. They're not supposed to be political. And in the case of intelligence services, that is way illegal. I mean, it's all illegal. None of this. They they can't be involved in politics. They're all supposed to be neutral organizations, Well, they haven't been neutral in a very long time. The corruption runs so deep. They got this laptop, had it for almost a year, knew everything on it, knew it was all true, and so they began to preempt, to anticipate the stories coming out. So they went to big tech, and they started seeding the lie. Like, oh, gosh, you know, we're, we're getting all kinds of signals, intelligence, and other stuff that... Gosh, golly, you know, state actors are going to try to to plan all kinds of stuff about Hunter, and it's coming from the Russians, and you got to watch out for this stuff. You guys don't want to be liable, and you don't want your reputations wrecked by allowing Russian disinformation to be echoing all over Twitter and Facebook and the rest. Remember when Zuckerberg went on Joe Rogan a couple of months ago and said, yeah, we were approached by the FBI who told us to be on the lookout for Russian disinformation about Hunter? It was all a giant setup, guys. How dangerous is this? Incredibly dangerous. So this guy, uh, now formerly of Twitter, Yoel Roth, Miranda Devine continues, and she quotes him as saying um, in a declaration to the Federal Election Commission... In December 21st, 2020, he said this, quote, I was told in these meetings that the intelligence community expected that individuals associated with political campaigns would be subject to hacking attacks and that material obtained through those hacking attacks would likely be disseminated over social media platforms, including Twitter. I also learned in these meetings that there were rumors that a hack and leak operation would involve Hunter Biden. Roth's signed declaration formed part of Twitter's defense against a complaint by the Tea Party Patriots Foundation that its censorship of the New York Post story was an in-kind campaign contribution to then-presidential candidate Joe Biden's campaign. So he was deposed as part of this, this suit. The FBI also warned Facebook to be on high alert for a dump of Russian propaganda before the 2020 election in terms specific enough that it, quote, fit the pattern of the New York Post story, according to Zuckerberg, talking to Joe Rogan back in August. So, guys, do you see how the FBI knew? Obviously, they knew what was on the laptop, so they knew exactly what was coming. So they could go to Twitter and Facebook and others and say, you know, we really think that something like this is coming. It was so specific that Twitter and Facebook and the others, they had it in their minds. And so when the story broke, they were like, oh, this must be what the FBI and intel agencies were telling us all along. Do you see the PSYOP here? Do you see the intelligence operation here? So Facebook obviously joined Twitter in throttling the story and so on because they were were told that it was coming. And because they're all ideologically on the same side, they wanted to believe the lie was true. Okay, so this is where the psychological part of this psyop kicks in. They all wanted to play the game. They all wanted to believe it was true. There was no skepticism applied here. Nobody said, gee, you know, I, maybe because the FBI is so corrupt and they all hate Trump and they're trying to stop him, maybe we should think twice about what we're being warned about here. No, no. They wanted it to be true. Get this. The FBI agent, and this is, again, according to Miranda Devine, uh, the FBI agent who organized those weekly meetings with big tech was supervisory special agent Elvis Chan whose post-grad thesis claimed that Russia interfered with the 2016 election to help former President Donald Trump. So Elvis Chan was also one of them. He was a professional liar, and he knew exactly what was going down, so he was the one who was organizing these weekly seating sessions with big tech. Chan testified by Zoom this week in a lawsuit And this is the lawsuit led by our guest on Friday, Eric Schmidt, the Missouri Attorney General and Senator-elect. By the way, if you have not listened to the Monica Crowley podcast on Friday, please go back and listen to it because it is extremely timely knowing what we know now after Friday night, Musk released all of this via Matt Taibbi. So please go back and listen to that. So as part of that lawsuit, Chan testified that he organized the meetings in San Francisco for as many as seven Washington, D.C.-based FBI agents in the run-up to the 2020 presidential election. Chan also organized weekly meetings with Facebook. So the lawsuit by Schmidt and the Louisiana AG alleges that White House officials and federal agencies acted with big tech to censor quote, disfavored speakers, viewpoints, and content on social media platforms. Under questioning by the Missouri Solicitor General John Sauer on Tuesday, Chan said that the FBI warned Twitter to be on guard for a hack and leak operation, but could not recall whether Hunter Biden was mentioned. Sure, it's the old, gosh, golly, I can't recall. According to sworn testimony from a Twitter employee, The FBI warned the company about a hack involving Hunter Biden before the Post published its report on Biden's laptop. This is a crucial inconsistency with Roth's sworn declaration saying that the FBI specifically mentioned Hunter. The FBI used the meetings to lobby the platforms to change their terms of service in order to be able to quickly take down hacked material, says a source with access to a transcript of Chan's testimony. So they worked on these social media platforms to change their TOS, their terms of service, so that if they were presented with some kind of messaging from the FBI or CIA or whatever about hack materials, they would immediately take it down. Oh, we're not going to publish hack materials, even though hack materials have been everywhere okay, all over these platforms, but they worked on them to change their terms of service so that they would have to take down hacked material. This is reminiscent of the CDC changing its definition of a vaccine to accommodate the fact that all of these COVID vaccines have failed. Failed with transmission, failed with halting spread, failed with all of it. All of the traditional Definitions of vaccine in terms of stopping the spread and transmission and etc., all of those definitions were thrown out the window. I think they changed the definition of vaccine four times to accommodate these shots' failures. So, this is what they do. This is totally Orwellian. Change the language to accommodate your lies. And they did it here too with social media. So the FBI got involved, they worked to pre-bunk a story that they knew was coming about Hunter Biden, and they knew it was coming because they had had the laptop for almost a year. But how would the FBI know that the Post was going to publish the story in October of 2020? Here's where it gets super interesting. The FBI was spying. Now that's their job, but their job is to spy on criminals or suspected criminals not on American citizens who have done nothing wrong. But we know the depth of corruption here. So the FBI was spying on Trump's then-lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, on his online cloud under the pretext of an investigation into a FARAH violation or some stupid stuff. The covert surveillance warrant on Giuliani gave the FBI access to emails in August of 2020 from the Delaware computer repair store owner, John Paul MacIsaac, the guy with whom Hunter, in probably a crack stupor, left his laptop. Okay? So the FBI then had a back door, like they had a back door throughout the 2016 campaign. They just find one, they make it up. They're intel. The FBI also had access, Miranda Devine says, to my messages with Giuliani in October discussing when the Post would publish the story. So they were spying on reporters. They were spying on Trump's attorney. I mean, the, the violations of law here are unbelievable. The FBI knew that uh, Johnny Paul Mac Isaac was a legitimate whistleblower because he had come to the bureau in the fall of 2019 to express national security concerns about the evidence on the laptop with regard to the Biden family corruption in Ukraine and China. On December 9th, 2019, two agents arrived at a store with a subpoena and took the laptop and a hard drive copy. We know from FBI whistleblowers who have come forward to GOP members of Congress that rogue FBI employees within the Washington field office buried the laptop and other information detrimental to Biden before the election. Now, of course, uh, thanks to Musk, we have all of this evidence That's come out. Musk has said, point blank, this is election interference. You know what? All of these corrupt players have been accusing Russia of interfering in our elections when these corrupt actors in our own country, our fellow Americans, have been the biggest election interferers of them all. The FBI, the intelligence community, they did all of this. One other corrupt actor I want to tell you about here is the Twitter Deputy General Counsel. He's a man named James Baker. He's also the former general counsel at the FBI, who was deeply involved in all of the Russia collusion plots against Donald Trump. So he is deeply in bed with the FBI and the intel agencies and has been for years on the Russia hoax and all of these plots to get Trump. Before this guy James Baker was dropped into Twitter in June of 2020, oh, June of 2020, conveniently just five months before the election, this guy Baker was a personal acquaintance of FBI agent Elvis Chan, who was coordinating the seating meetings with big tech and the big lie about Russian disinformation on Hunter. It's also convenient, right? Look at this timing. It was all a setup. Elvis Chan testified last week that he knew Baker from when they worked together in 2016 with with the FBI Lovebirds, Agent Peter Strzok, and lawyer Lisa Page on an investigation of a hack on Yahoo. But all of this, all of these corrupt characters go way back and they're all trump haters and they're all america first haters and they were all part of this corrupt cabal to take out trump and destroy the america first movement chan says he remains in touch with lisa page who with struck was forced out of the fbi of course after their rabidly anti trump text messages were revealed Baker is also connected to some of the 51 Intel uh, officials who signed that letter in October 2020 saying that the New York Post's laptop bombshell was a Russian disinformation operation. So, you can see how all of this is of a piece. We talk about it all this time on this show, how it's all of a piece. This is all so incestuous, Like all corruption, all corruption is incestuous, and this is no different. I will just end my big monologue on this with this. We now know, thanks to, there was a media research uh, survey, I guess, last year or so, or earlier this year, That showed that roughly one in five Biden voters would have changed their vote to Donald Trump had they known about the Biden family corruption, if they had known about the Hunter Biden laptop story. According to the MRC poll, full awareness of the Hunter Biden scandal would have led 9.4% of Biden voters to abandon him, flipping all six of the swing states he won to Donald Trump, giving Donald Trump 311 electoral votes. So this entire thing was unprecedented. They pulled out all the stops to stop Donald Trump because nothing else they did had worked prior. So they did this one final operation against him before the 2020 election. And again, what is so dangerous about this is this is not some Russian, uh, you know, intelligence operation This is not the CCP, although I'm sure they had their hands in this in some level, but the people who developed this lie and executed the lie are our fellow Americans. The election interference came from inside the House. When we come back, we're going to talk to the original New York Post reporter who broke this story. And how she feels about it now. Emma Jo Morris coming straight up, so you're not going to want to miss that. First, though, guys, you know, I want to take a minute to welcome a brand new sponsor, Omaha Steaks. The holidays are upon us, guys. And you know what that means, giving the perfect gift. Well, now you can achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com and use code MONICA at checkout to get $30 off your order. Send a great assortment of mouth-watering favorites guaranteed to impress, like the legendary butcher's cut filet mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and even easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code MONICA at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com, use promo code MONICA at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. omahasteaks.com, promo code MONICA. We'll be right back. Well, I am absolutely thrilled to welcome the OG, the original gangsta of the Hunter Biden laptop story. Emma Jo Morris is now the politics editor at Breitbart, so please go there and check out all of her extraordinary work at Breitbart News. But previously, she was at the New York Post, where she was the one, the very first reporter to break the Hunter Biden laptop story. And she suffered the predictable consequences for it, including Twitter locking the New York Post Twitter account and preventing people from sharing the story. Now, thanks to Elon Musk, we know that her reporting was all true. And she was, of course, right All along, as we knew at the time, she was Emma Jo Morris joins me now. Hi there!
1: Thank you, thank you so much, and and I'm so glad that you call me a gangster because I do think of myself that way.
0: Well, you you should because you are you, and and on this story in particular, you are the OG. So I'm really glad to have you with us today. Thank you, thank you so much. Oh, of course, no, of course, it's nice to talk to you again. What does it feel like to be utterly and totally vindicated? So it's funny,
1: you know, I get this question um, a lot, uh, you know, because every time something happens where either somebody in the legacy media has to come forward and admit something or whatever, you know, we've had a few moments over the years. It's now been over two years since the story broke um, where, where there has been some vindication from Politico or the New York Times or CBS or whoever you want now, Twitter. And it's like, Okay when I broke this story i was I was the deputy politics editor at the new york post i wouldn't have typically had a byline, but this was my story, and I was going to take it um, and publish it under my name but I was twenty seven years old i was I knew that this story was true. I would not have risked my entire career. I still have a lot of years to go in the industry. I still have a lot of years to go to to be working and i I wouldn't have gambled. At 27 years old, the rest of my future—if I wasn't sure, I was sure. So you know, I, I get vindicated, I, I suppose, every time this happens. But it's like I knew the whole time that this was correct, which is why I did it at 27 years old and did it under my name and took full ownership of it. Um, and and you know, really, like honestly, every time this happens, it just kind of—you know—at this point, I don't have it. Um, you know, I have a hard time summoning the rage to feel about it because but really like how i feel every time this happens is like wow what a scam what a scam for the american people because the reason why i reported this was so that people could make an informed decision about who they wanted to vote for you know that's really the hallmark of american citizenship is that you have a free press and you have um a democratic process that you engage in where you cast a ballot based on the information that the free press has given you and then you can decide who you want to be your president and they were robbed um and and every time this happens it reiterates and reinforces the fact that the american people were robbed so you know for me it's like yeah like it's great and and you know i'm happy to see people admitting um that they were wrong or in this case you know being revealed to have been you know disingenuous and liars and and censors but but ultimately, it's like, yeah, I knew I was right, and the unfortunate thing is that the American people didn't have the opportunity to to fully be informed in casting their ballot.
0: How does it feel? How does it feel knowing what we now know? And I, I do want to have you walk us through, you know, that period of time in October of 2020. But before we do that, how does it feel now, Emma Joe, in the last like 72 hours since Musk released so many of these internal communications at Twitter? How does it feel to know that like, Little old you at 27 years old, very talented reporter, obviously, but, you know, this young reporter at the New York Post that you had, you were in the crosshairs of the entire fearsome U.S. government, so the FBI, the intelligence agencies, Twitter, Facebook, the rest of big tech, that you you at 27 years old, it was like... This this like young woman who's reporting the story and you had literally the entire regime focused on you and your story. In retrospect, I mean, even in retrospect, doesn't that scare you a bit? Oh, yeah, totally. You know, I've always been a little bit of a wild child growing up. <laughs> and um,
1: and uh, I but I could have never imagined um, upsetting people to the extent that I have now. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, exactly. That's exactly how I feel. It's like, I'm just I see myself as just like me, you know, and my life is just my life. And my work is just my work. And you go through it every day. And you wake up every day doing the same thing. And it doesn't occur to you that you could be of so much interest and such intense interest to some of the most powerful organizations in the world. I mean, I guess it wasn't me personally, right? Like anybody who would have had this story would have been in that interest. But yeah, I mean, God, it's so weird. Um, It's so weird to think about the amount of resources and energy that went into
0: bothering with me. It is. It's incredible, and you know, you you weren't aware of what was going on behind the scenes at the time, and now we do know. So I, I want to take a step back, but kudos to you for being such a fearless reporter. Whether you knew it or, or you don't know it, or whatever it is that your commitment to the truth is really extraordinary, and that's why I'm pointing everybody to your work at Breitbart because it's so great as well. Um, really truthful, honest reporting. And we've got a dearth of that in America today. So take us back, Emma Jo, if you would, to that time in October of 2020, right before the election. How did you first learn about Hunter's Laptop? And how did the story come to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of a crazy story. And, you know, it just goes like we're talking about, and this is very Breitbart, by the way, Andrew Breitbart, you know, he was always about how Anybody can be a journalist. Anybody can be a reporter. Um, You know, it's just about being like having value in honesty and having value in saying things as you see them. But, um, you know, the way that and that's kind of really a story of that. And every time I talk about this story, I'm like, I'm nobody like I'm really nobody. And I just tried my best to write exactly what I saw and as honestly as possible. But the way that this story starts is um, it actually starts really in 2016 when I first moved to New York. I'm from Canada. Um, I'm not from the U.S. I'm a dual citizen. Thank God. And so I moved to New York City to work at Fox News for Hannity right after I finished university. That was my first job out of university. And I didn't have many friends here. I started making friends slowly. And I met this guy named Vish, Vish Burra who did not work at politics at the time. Um, we had some mutual friends and he had a hobby and an interest of politics. So we connected over that. Um, he's obviously conservative uh, and he would share like articles and memes and stuff like that. And and we connected and ended up becoming fast friends in New York. He did not work in politics though. So he was working at like some sort of tech company, some startup. Anyway, um, we used to go for lunch and, and just hang out and chill on the weekends and whatever. And then fast forward to 2020 I start working at the New York Post as deputy politics editor. I move on from Fox and and go there. And Vish starts working for Steve Bannon, uh, producing his War Room podcast. He finally gets an entree into into the media world, and he's working for Bannon at this time. And we've remained friends over these years. Anyway, um, you know, Bannon gets roped in by Rudy Giuliani on this hard drive because of all the CCP information, uh, which Bannon is an expert on. So Rudy Giuliani is the first person to come into possession of the hard drive after from the um, computer repair shop man. And, uh, and then from there, it goes to Rudy, and then it goes to Bannon. And so Bannon comes into possession of it, and Vish says, hey, I have this friend who's the editor of the New York Post, and she is not a brand name, but she is honest, and like she is going to do the story right. You should call her. So I get a call from Steve Bannon in September of 2020 saying hi, this is Steve Bannon, and I have a story that's going to change your life. And I say, what is it? And he says, I have Hunter Biden's hard drive. And, you know, obviously there's many steps between that phone call and when it published in the New York Post, but that was the origin story of the laptop and how.
0: Just incredible. And obviously at the time you had no idea, no way of knowing that the FBI and the intel agencies had had this laptop well, I, I maybe you did know that they had had the laptop well, at that time that- for, well, uh, almost a year, right? Yes, exactly. So part of the way that I was
1: convinced that this was legit in the first place, which I was very skeptical, obviously, at first. But part of the reason why I, I became convinced that this was worth doing was the um, computer repair shop guy, way before Giuliani ever came into the picture or the press came into the picture, his initial um, move was to call the FBI. Yes. And say, hey. I have Hunter Biden's computer. He's abandoned it. He's not picking it up. He's not paying for the service. So it's just in my possession now. And, um, I want you to have it because I am freaked out. That was the first move by the computer repair shop guy. So the, I knew that the FBI had this whole thing. Um, I could have never have anticipated the level of, um, Engagement that the FBI had with it to the extent that they were going to social media companies and warning them. I presume, based upon the fact that they knew that this laptop was out in the ether, so I could have never imagined how engaged they were in terms of like you know working to protect Hunter and this computer. But yeah. but yes, I did know that they were in possession of it.
0: it. It is incredible knowing what we know now that they were spending months. And as your uh, former colleague, Miranda Devine, is reporting this morning in the Post, that there were weekly meetings with big tech, Facebook and Twitter, that the FBI was meeting with them weekly. And I just right before I brought you on, I did a whole monologue on how they were seeding the story. So they were pre-bunking the story. Yes, they right, went for exactly. right months on end saying, Hey, you guys gotta be on the lookout for Russian disinformation. It's gonna be targeted to, you know, Hunter Biden, specifically, like the main Twitter guy yep. who's now no longer right. there, actually swore to that under oath that the warnings were specifically targeted to Hunter Biden, etc. So they were seeding this lie so that when they were ready to pull the trigger when your story came out. Twitter and Facebook, that ground was fertile to accept what the FBI had told them to then go ahead and censor that story.
1: Oh, yeah, that's exactly. That's exactly right. It is so revolting when you think about it. It's, it's you know, it just really, it violates every single tenet of American citizenship and every single promise of American citizenship in all wrapped up into one situation it's it's beyond comprehension um but the thing that is also what i was about to say about this is they had willful like they were being obviously um primed by the fbi in order to do this but they also what i found really interesting and revealing was they were really interested in some sort of willful ignorance of of this story and i'll, I'll tell you why i think that so Twitter deputy counsel, um, in these emails that Matt Taibbi tweeted about that Elon Musk revealed, Twitter deputy counsel is a guy named Jim Baker. And Jim Baker, if that name sounds familiar to you, it's because it is familiar to you. He was former senior level FBI, and he was at the center of the Russia hoax. Correct. So he goes and falls up from the Russia hoax to being deputy counsel at Twitter and now he is the chief, basically chief lawyer for Twitter. And, and you see in these communications that he's basically like, um, we don't know if this is hacked. Uh, we don't know if it's a leak or of some sort. We don't know if it's theft of some sort. So let's err on the side of censorship. But the problem is, especially for Jim Baker, in the New York Post's first story, um, the Burisma story, which is the one we're talking about today and the one that Twitter was talking about censoring, the new york post published that subpoena that i told you about the federal subpoena that was given to the laptop repair shop guy when he gave that hard drive to the fbi initially so we had a copy of that subpoena that was given to him and we published it in that story because in that story we lay out exactly what we have exactly how we got it and exactly why we think it's real and part of that was that subpoena that subpoena was critical because it showed that the FBI was involved in this story already and that there, it was obviously at that point very unlikely that this would have been fabricated in any way because you obviously don't, you know, attempt to dupe the media into skewing an election and then also involve the FBI a year earlier. You know what right. I mean? Yes. So, um, so we published that subpoena in the story and it was visible to all readers, including Jim Baker. And so it strikes me as odd that he wouldn't as a former senior member of the FBI, that he wouldn't recognize that document or that he wouldn't see that document and say, you know, I'm going to place a few phone calls to verify that this is an authentic document, because if it is, then it's impossible that this was hacked.
0: Right. Yes. But as I keep pointing out, and you have too, they're all on the same ideological page, so well, that it. it's, it's like, this is willful ignorance absolutely you know, the
1: operative word being willful it's like they did not want this out so you know you could use hacking you could use russia i mean you could pull um uh, an excuse out of your whatever um, and 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 slap it on the reason. But the point is they wanted to censor this story. It, it doesn't matter what the reason
0: Of course. And the reason they wanted to censor it is because what you saw when you were handed that hard drive, you saw what was on there. So, yes, there was the depravity of Hunter Biden. But the story is not a Hunter Biden story. It is a Joe Biden story. And what yes. you saw was the depth of corruption of the Biden family and the fact that that Joe Biden was completely compromised by America's worst enemies, including the CCP and China, but also Ukraine, that he and his family had been laundering tens of millions of dollars out of Ukraine. And, oh, looky here, we've got a war right now in Ukraine, which just happens to be a convenient money laundering operation for the Bidens and the rest of the ruling class. So you saw all of this, you reported it, so they were all in on it. Emma Joe, they were but, all in on it. Yeah, that's it. And that's why like, it's, just such, it's just such a
1: terrible and devastating and tragic situation. Because, like, who knows? This is the problem that we have now. The Ukraine war is obviously a massive money laundering operation, and I would never disagree with you on that. But let's say if you want to give it the most generous possible interpretation and the most naive possible interpretation that, you know, we're sincerely allies with Ukraine and that we really care about their sovereignty or whatever. I'm not saying I believe this. I'm just saying for conversation's sake, let's say you want to say that and you want to argue that it's impossible to know that because this person is so corrupt and we know that this person is so corrupt. And that's why it was so important to me. Like, you know, in my opinion, that this story be known broadly by the American people when they're electing their president, it's like, you can never now look at anything Joe Biden does, whether it be a climate deal with China and the rest of the, the um, you know, world where China gets a pass for their egregious um, crimes against the natural environment, whether it be the war in Ukraine. Like, you know, there's so many things. Belt and Road is raging like we can't gauge anything that the the Biden administration engages with in good faith because we know that this guy is on the take from all of these various weird places that could, could
0: compromise his judgment. Well, that's exactly it's, right. It's such a travesty. It, it, it's so and, it, and dangerous for the American people, our national security, the homeland, because everybody yeah. now is forced to ask the question, which you were trying to prompt before voters went to the polls, which is, will Joe Biden as president and commander in chief be representing and advancing America's interests or his own and his family's?
1: Well, that's it. And, you know, you can debate about what the best way to achieve this is. But ultimately, what our especially foreign policy is supposed to be based on is the central question of is this in America's best interests? That is right. it. That's it. And once you have that well-poisoned of acting outside of America's interest, you know, like I said, you could debate about what mechanisms and what moves will lead to America's best interest. But as long as that central question is what is guiding the decision-making, I'm fine with that. And then I can have a debate about whether, let's say, engaging in Ukraine is in our best interest or it's not. But what's going on now is that, again, like that, that... Question has been polluted with. Are are we talking about America's best interests, or are we talking about the Biden's best interests, or are we talking about their clients' best interests?
0: Well, that's exactly right, and that's the most dangerous aspect of this whole spectacle. So now, Emma Jo, now that you've had time to absorb what's been exposed, and I understand that there's more to come. Musk said there's even more. Stay tuned for for the second round of this. What has surprised you the most, and have you learned anything new? That's been exposed that you didn't know before. I think
1: a lot of it was kind of just providing color to stuff that we kind of already knew or had a hunch about and affirmed it. I think the thing that was probably most striking to me was the level of groupthink in this organization to the extent that it's like, you know, this came out of the New York Post. It's not favorable to Democrats. It must obviously be nefarious. We just have to figure out how. And there's nobody within that organization and within the top ranks of Twitter, not one person who raises any sort of peep of alarm about, um, you know, questions such as maybe this is real. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Really? Like that's not even entertained. It's like, this has to be, there's some duplicity. We just don't know what it is. So let's just censor it and we'll figure out what, what's going on after. It's like, there's no one, not a single person, not a lawyer, not a tech executive, not a health, not a Twitter safety person, not, like no one, no one there is like, wait, maybe this is just like a story, like a news story.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I kept saying, like, obviously, Hunter was a longtime crackhead. So obviously, the thing yes, right. was real. And obviously, he forgot about dropping it off at the plate, like common sense tells you. But again, when you're dealing with this is basically a Marxist revolution that we're experiencing with fascist tactics. So obviously they're going to put that grand project of remaking America ahead of the truth, ahead of everything. It's a whole Orwellian cluster bleep, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's just, I mean, you know, some of it is obviously intentional when you have like the top brass of the company, all one way, they tend to hire people who fit in that culture, which is all that way. You also have the problem with the fact that they're, you know, based in Silicon Valley, which is extremely liberal. Um, and and a lot of people there do have very revolutionary attitudes. Yes. Um, and they're not shy about t- telling you that. Um, but it's so, it's just so irresponsible um, to to run a company that is the platform for the proliferation of information globally. And to not say like, hey, you know, maybe we should hire some people out of Texas maybe we should hire some people um out of a major city like you know some, from somewhere not in a major city like there is zero concern of any sort of they talk so much about diversity it's so ironic they talk about diversity all day but then they focus on this like on these superficial traits And call that diversity like gender or sexuality or or race or other things that have exactly nothing to do with the contents of a human being. And then they'll say, oh, well, we have a commitment to diversity. But they won't have a single person who is on an email chain about censoring a story from the oldest paper in America, the fourth largest in circulation in America, founded by Alexander Hamilton. They won't have a single person on that conversation in that thread that says, hey, Is it possible that this is um, relevant to the American people and that we should probably, you know, cool off on treating it like child porn, which is what Matt Taibbi revealed? Right. They were treating it like child porn.
0: Right. Because they don't care. It, this is about, their eyes are on a much bigger prize, which is what Obama once called the fundamental transformation of America with them at the top as the Marxist vanguard. So they don't care what the truth is. They don't care about the American people. To the extent they care about the country is remaking it in this more collectivist, Marxist kind of image. So no, of course, the the truth is the first casualty Joe, but you're right. exactly right. There's not a single person there with any kind of... And maybe there was, you know what? Let's think about it this way. Maybe there was like a single person who was trying to do a reality check on this, and they were pulled back. Look, the fact that the CEO Jack Dorsey had no idea what was going on underneath him with this Vijaya Gade woman and the, and the what Roth or whatever that they were doing this. Mm-hmm. And I kind of believe that they were freelancing this and kept Dorsey kind of out of the loop. Maybe Dorsey would have been the one to say, wait a minute, guys, you know, we're a platform here. Yes, we have our biases, but this story, you know, we can't be doing this. Maybe there was someone else and they... and they got squashed. Or maybe Dorsey was going to bring that insight. We just don't know. But the fact yeah, is. And, and it was just, it was so over the top, you know. It was just so over the top. I mean, I am not in favor of
1: censoring anybody. I, I really do believe that, as as we're seeing in this whole saga, that the truth does find its way. Yes, always. You know? And I always. Really believe that. And Andrew Breitbart was always a free speech maximalist. And he was the first one to say, you know, the marketplace of ideas does work. And I believe that. However, it's like, you know, this wasn't Alex Jones, okay? This wasn't uh, Nick Fuentes. This was the New York Post. Like, we are owned by News Corp. We are owned by Rupert Murdoch. We are, for all intents and purposes, New York Post is mainstream media. Yes. Um, it
0: was just such an, it was such an outrageous move. But that's, so but, but Emma Jo, that's exactly what made it so dangerous is the fact it was coming from the New York Post and not, you know, Nick Fuentes or whatever. So they realized it was going to end up in a mainstream publication, and that's why they spent months seeding the lie in big tech. All right, before we let you go, Emma Jo, what do you think comes next? Do you expect a Republican House to investigate every part of this? And if you're called to testify, will you do that? um so i do
1: definitely think that the house does jump on this this is becoming just an untenable scandal that needs to be investigated i think the republicans know that yet you know tbd on whether they actually reform anything but i definitely do think this this will be a robust um investigation obviously if i'm called to testify like i'm gonna try to help in any way i can i mean i I'm the first person to tell you that I think that this is the most disgusting violation of trust and the most disgusting violation of the spirit of U.S. citizenship I've ever seen. And I would want to do anything I could to, like, try to help this be resolved, because this is a wound for the American people that deserves to heal. They deserve for it to heal.
0: Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, you know. You played such a key role in exposing the truth that we are all so grateful to you. And I feel like I need to congratulate you for doing your job, (laughs) Which, which... Apparently it's rare. Yes, yes, it totally is. But doing your job both then and now. And I know because I've known you for a while, I know what a committed real journalist you are, and those are few and far between. And also how devoted to the facts and the truth you are. So thank you for doing your job and for Standing Strong. We appreciate you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much. And thank you for this platform to talk about this issue. It's so important. Anytime. And I thank everybody. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anytime. Emma Jo Morris, she is a politics editor at Breitbart. Go there and read all of her excellent work. Okay, we've got your emails coming straight up, but first, listen up. It's time to make your health great again as we get closer to the new year. For anybody looking to ignite their fat-burning metabolism, and Lord knows who isn't, given that this is the holiday season full of all kinds of goodies, boost their energy and transform how they look and feel, they must start by taking care of their liver. Your liver is your body's master detoxifier. And after decades of wear and tear, our livers slow down and become sluggish. This is why so many of us struggle with weight gain and feeling tired all the time. Fortunately, there's a simple, all-natural solution that I recommend. It's called Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula contains 12 powerful botanicals clinically proven to recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. It helps restore your liver's detoxifying abilities, boost your energy levels, and can kick your natural metabolism into high gear. Liver Health Formula is backed by the latest science and approved by American doctors. And every bottle is manufactured right here in the USA. And right now, as a listener of our show, you can try Liver Health Formula completely risk free. And receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you'll receive a free 30-day supply of nano-powered omega-3. This powerful blend of omega-3 fatty acids supports a healthy heart and brain with four times better absorption thanks to this special nano-delivery system. You're also getting four free eBooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity regardless of age. So go to GetLiverHelp.com slash Monica or call toll-free 800-282-1757 to claim your risk-free supply of liver health formula and all five bonus gifts. That's GetLiverHelp.com slash Monica or call 800 282 One seven five seven. You're covered by their three hundred and sixty five day money back guarantee, so you have nothing to risk. But supplies are limited, so head on over to getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call toll free eight hundred two eight two one seven five seven right now to order liver health formula and claim your five free bonus gifts while you still can. That's getliverhelp.com slash Monica or call eight hundred two eight two. 1757. We'll be right back. Okay, guys, time now for the Monday email bag. Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. Again, that's Monica Crowley Podcast at gmail.com. Jerry from Illinois writes Good morning, Monica. Thank you for all of your hard work on behalf of the country we love. A question. What is the best way to proceed in the Georgia runoff, which, by the way, guys, is tomorrow? I have no confidence in the establishment's Karl Rove and Mitch McConnell approach run by their design. The Georgia 2020 runoff was a disaster. Are they going to do the same strategy this time? It has been said that Governor Kemp has a great ground game apparatus on lend to the Walker campaign. Will that be enough? On the other hand, the Dems will be doing what they always do, gathering ballots. Don't we have to take a page out of their playbook and do the same, but even more aggressively? Are we, the party apparatus, capable of acting with the sense of urgency that is needed? A suggestion Jerry continues, use some of the millions of dollars pouring into the Walker runoff campaign coffers and direct it to supplement the Georgia workers. Import as many experienced Republican ground game operatives from across the country as needed to blanket the state. Put them up in hotels around the state. Spend millions of dollars if necessary. They can fan out and do hundreds of thousands of door-to-door literature drops and other get-out-the-vote activities. Surely, with over $100 million that will be spent, this is affordable. Just do fewer TV ads if necessary. They didn't work last time. The workers can encourage as many early voters as possible so we don't fall behind in the vote totals from the start. Thanks again. Well, thank you, Jerry, for the very nice words. I'm so glad that you're listening to this podcast and enjoying it so much. As for your concerns about Georgia tomorrow, you are 100% correct. The runoff race between Walker and Warnock, again, is tomorrow, December 6th, and the Democrats have been working around the clock to get their votes moving. Early voting, ballot harvesting, and curing. They have been carpet bombing the state with ads and workers. Now, our side has been doing some of this too, but to your point, Jerry, we still not have learned the lesson of 2020 and the lesson from just a month ago that this is how you win elections. Not on the issues, not even on the candidate, just on the raw machinery of scoring ballots. That's it. So unless and until we master that game, we're going to lose. That said, the latest polls in Georgia show Herschel maybe running even, maybe fading a bit. So while I know we're all tired and frustrated, we've got to put in these last 24 hours everything we have into getting Herschel over the finish line. The difference between a 50-50 Senate where we'd have power sharing privileges and a 51-49 Senate where we would be in the distinct minority is huge. So if you're in Georgia, please mobilize, get involved, find out how you can help harvest ballots even at this late hour. And if you don't live in Georgia, please support Herschel however you can, teamherschel.com. All right. And we will be all over this on Wednesday as well and how we move forward. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Monday. Have a great start to your week. Thank you also for checking out our terrific sponsors. We all really appreciate that. And I will see you right back here on Wednesday with another huge show. Thanks so much.